Hello and welcome to the Plus Up podcast brought to you by Media Plus Advisors. I'm Carly Feinstein and I'm here with my partners, Perry Ann and Susan. We have been so busy the past few weeks, but we're so excited to be back with our podcast, especially since there's just so much to discuss. So Susan, will you tell our listeners about today's topic? Absolutely. Um, We were very fortunate that we were able to attend the ANA Advertising Financial Management Conference last week. We attended virtually. Um, It was last uh, the 27th through the 30th, so Sunday through Wednesday. And, you know, the ANA, this is their second conference that they've been able to get back in person. You know, um, from what I understand, there were about 100 people there in person, which considering um, it's the tail end of the pandemic and it was in June in Phoenix, I think that's pretty good. But there were, you know, several hundred other people on the phone, including us. So the content was great. And this conference um, really focuses more for the um, procurement and financial aspect of the media and marketing business and agency business. So it was a lot of really great content out there, really focused on those areas. And we also had some great speakers, including two of our season one podcast guests, Mark Goldberg from Method Media Intelligence and Carrie Bruce from Reed Smith. So, um, you know, today what we want to do is go over what we think, um, you know, recap some of the sessions we heard and talk about some of the takeaways and learnings from the conference. So with that, why don't we get right into it? Um, Like I mentioned, it was a hybrid conference. So there were two days of content that were exclusive um, to folks in person. So really on Monday morning, the first session virtually, after the ANA did all of their kickoffs and speeches, the first session was Ivan Pollard, who was most recently the global CMO of General Mills. And, um, you know, this is interesting because he had signed on to do this speech prior to him leaving his role at General Mills, he had said. This had been on the books for a while. Um, and, you know, what I found interesting was he really positioned his speech in a lot of ways. He he spent time really focusing on a justification of a lot of past criticism he'd gotten from the agency world, really specifically around payment terms and IP ownership. Um, the speech was really focused on uh, a CMO's view of the agency. So, Perry Ann, what were some of your thoughts about this one? It was interesting, wasn't it? Especially because you and I worked on General Mills mm-hmm. um, in a past life and know, you know, a uh, few people up there that are still there. Um, you know, a couple of thoughts. I think first, my initial thought was this, and this is like pure speculation, is that I wonder if his idea about clients taking ownership of essentially the idea during a pitch, I wonder if that was a good fit for General Mills and the General Mills culture. Um, He didn't talk a lot about team when he was on the stage. And so he really presented it as kind of like this lone wolf idea and trying to force it into that culture and the culture that their agencies that have worked with them in the past have come to expect. But it might work somewhere else. You know, that kind of brings me to my second point. Man, I'm not on board with the idea of, uh, you know, during a pitch that, you know, agencies are presenting ideas, you know, tactical ones, strategic ones, and that during that process, they're giving those ideas away for free. And 
you know, if payment was involved, maybe that's something different. But it, it just doesn't um, it doesn't sit well, I don't think. Um, it just doesn't. And then there's the third thing and that he was talking about, well, why is this OK? And he presented a case study and he showed during this case study that, oh, look, these ideas are so similar. Well, that kind of brought me back to, well, that's about the brief, Ivan. The brief was either spot on and so strategically on that, you know, anybody could have figured out the, the, the creative or the tactical idea, or maybe the brief was spot on and very narrow and didn't allow for, you know, a wide spectrum of ideas to come out of it. The one thing that I can say is that the industry always needs new thinkers, uh, you know, people who want to innovate and people who want to push the envelope. And I have an enormous respect for those people because those are the ones that, you know, um, you know, move things ahead. But boy, it was interesting. I can't imagine that his tenure there was, uh, was, an, easy, uh, was an easy time. But it looks like he'll be on to bigger and better things. Uh, and it will be interesting to see where he lands. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, when you said maybe the brief was so narrow, I was just thinking um, I was in a pitch at one point. And yeah, the um, the brief was so narrow. It was a very specific product targeted to a very young audience. And, and all of the ideas came back were different forms of gaming and social media. Now, if the ideas had come back saying you should be on CBS Prime, it would be like, oh, my God, this agency is so terrible. What are they recommending? Because if you're trying to reach 12 to 17 year olds, where else are you going to be? Um, so so, yeah, I think that's interesting, it, the narrowness of it. And and I think with the examples he gave, you think maybe that was it. Maybe it wasn't that the pitch, the brief was so spot on. Maybe it was a very narrow remit that they were focused on, that they came out with such um, exact ideas that we're like. Yeah, I wish them luck in the future. Um, you know, there's, they're a company that has gone through a lot of change um, and has, you know, reached, you know, a new point of profitability and sustainability. So it will be interesting to see where everybody lands. And boy, I'm dying to talk to some of our buddies up there uh, <laughs> to see what their take on it was too. I was wondering if there were, was anyone there in the audience from General Mills, because I know that they're big, um, you know, participants in, in the ANA. So that, that was a good one. Um, also the one that we thought was super interesting because we know her and she's been a podcast guest, uh, was Carrie Bruce from Reed Smith and her partner, uh, Stacy Marcus, who was great. They gave a really good presentation about, um, you know, avoiding litigation and making sure that, you know, your contracts, you know, have the transparency and, you know, all the T's and C's that you need. I mean, really kind of a dry subject, right? But um, they really brought it to life. You know, you know, Carly, what were your takeaways about what clients uh, should think about here? You know, especially as it relates to um, NFTs and the metaverse. So I definitely agree with you that they brought some kind of dry subject matter to life. And brought some interesting things too that it you know yes the the nfts and metaverse are probably the most interesting of the things that were talked about but some of the other trends and buzzwords that they brought to the marketers attention to keep in mind from a risk point of view were also 
newer buzzwords. They're not they're not just the same old thing, except for one, of course, which is media buying related digital advertising fraud and waste. Like, can you believe we're still talking about that? I think we did a podcast and I said those exact same words. I can't believe we're still talking about this. But the fact is, it's still affecting marketers bottom lines here in 2021. And yes, the ANA and marketers are working to make the ecosystem more transparent and efficient as are consulting firms like us and, and helping marketers work with their partners. Um, but I thought that that was really interesting that we're still talking about that. Um, and that the, you know, the digital ecosystem is just getting more and more complex. And I really, I thought that their recommendation was spot on, which is, you know, dig in and audit and get the right contract and operational and governance practices in place from all perspectives. You know, think about it, how complex it is that that advertisers are now becoming publishers, monetizing first party data like that's getting complex. You have to look at everything from different perspectives. So that's certainly interesting. Um, the I'm, I'm kind of doing a recap because I think that they're worth sharing with our listeners. The second one was talking about influencer marketing, and this is this is huge. This is everywhere, and there are so many types of influencer marketing that vary across reach and engagement that spectrum. Um, but you know, they really both both Carrie and Stacy talked about how while influencer marketing contracts are similar to any endorsement deal, there's there's some specific contract terms that marketers should keep in, in, in mind specific to influencer marketing. So I thought that was interesting. Now, the next one that they talked about, I will admit, went over my head a bit, which is talking about the FTC endorsement guides um, and, you know, just how that's in the FTC Act is enforced and all of that. But what was really interesting there that didn't go over my head was about consumer reviews and that most of the cases that are in litigation right now are about the fact that there's that consumer reviews are being incentivized and that's not being disclosed. So that was, again, something very very interesting that marketers should be keeping in mind as well as their their agency partners. The next one was about the uh, SAG and after 2022 negotiations are around the corner and that obviously has talent contract implications and especially going back to influencer marketing that 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 plays in there too. But going now, the last one is what you asked me about Perianne, which is NFTs and the metaverse. And when I first saw that on the agenda, I thought I was watching an episode of The Flash on CW, which is a show I actually watch, but that's what I started thinking about. And I found it so funny that I finally understand what an NFT is and I needed it to be explained to me by a lawyer. <laughs> so I just, you know, for those of our listeners that don't know exactly what it is, I really think that Carrie and Stacy, you know, they defined it perfectly, which is a piece of data that helps verify content as genuine and creates a record of ownership and legitimacy. And I thought that was really interesting because it really brought it to life to me. Um, but then I also was reading some things in the trades recently, and I, I read a commentary just this week. And even though the the person was definitely a hater um and thought you know the that cross between marketing was uh, you know just 
kind of out there. He made a really good point about art and the value that people put on art that who are we to say that the value that, you know, a piece of data can't be valued at $17 million too. I thought that was really interesting. And then the metaverse is kind of is hits home to me having two children that are gamer and anime lovers because it's really that where that where the virtual and the reality worlds intersect and you know i could tell you how many times i'm constantly my, my son anytime he gets a gift card he wants the money to be applied to his metaverse and he is buying non-tangible things and i mean he is spending a lot of money in that world and and he's just a 13 year old who doesn't have any income i can only imagine all the people out there that have income and are spending in this world yeah. you know and the and brands are using nfts and the metaverse in so many different ways whether it's virtual experiences charitable giving promotions or they're monetizing it when you know in collaboration with celebrities or or other brands and back to the point they need to keep this in mind, there's a lot of risk and there's contract terms that need to be thought about in this world. If there's even, I, I thought it was interesting, they pointed out, uh, the speakers pointed out that you, you might even have to register some things with the SEC, like that. that's kind of getting crazy here. Um, yeah. But I thought that that was, you know, just other legal issues come up and that's, that's really the point of it mm -hmm. and why it came up. Yeah, and what I always think is interesting when you hear things like the metaverse or NFTs or things like that, everything just sounds so scary. Like it, it feels like it's not real. I mean, in, in some it's not, but you know, right. like, but but it sounds so scary. But I think you know they they had a really good approach to it and just kind of common sense to just kind of give marketers some things to look out for and be aware of. And I think you know it's always coming up. You know paying attention to your contract and and not letting a set it and forget it is so key. Right. And also just with new media types are coming up all the time and and marketers have a tendency to say, well, it, it's new. Let's see how it works and what's happening and what what the the folks at Reed Smith are saying is from the start. Think about the the things that could put you at risk. Don't wait for it to put you at risk. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to um, ask our next question because I thought I think this is going to be a little bit of a, a debate because the next one of the sessions we wanted to talk about was very provocative. And that was Jay Patasol from Forrester who proposed a new digital FTE model as a supplement for agencies to pay for AI and automation. Um, he, you know, he talked about remuneration in, in many different ways, but this in particular was quite provocative. So I'm going to ask you, Susan, what your thoughts are on this. Yeah, I thought this one was interesting. I mean, I, you know, while I don't ultimately agree with his digital FTE proposal, I do think this setup um, and the case he made as the setup, I do agree a lot with, um, you know, agencies need growth. What he showed some charts showing that like pre-pandemic, Agencies were barely growing um, in line with inflation, which means they're not really growing at all. Um, you know, there there had been predicted to be a lot of job losses that was um, accelerated, of course, by the pandemic. Um, and now some jobs are coming back. 
But um, the estimate is that through AI and automation um, and intelligent software, 11% of jobs in both media and creative agencies will um, will be gone because of automation and intelligent software by 2023. So that's just two years away. So, so what he was really setting up was talking about building these human and machine teams to account for the the time, the the machine learning saves and the human inputs that go into it. And, and then he really focused on a recap of compensation models. And, you know, he talked about um, commission and equity and other models, but really that most agencies are paid on a labor model using FTEs. And um, in order to help pay for all of this automation, using a digital FTE as a supplement. And he, he gave, you know, a few reasons as to why, but I thought what was most interesting, the last one he gave was to prop up suppliers, which, um, <laughs> you know, I guess is part of where some of my problem comes with it. Because if you're just trying to like prop up the agencies and help them get growth, I don't, I, I feel like you're opening up to a lot of transparency. So we were talking about it earlier. Um, and, you know, the question was, should clients even pay for this AI or automation? My opinion is yes, 100%. Because if you want your agencies to be able to do all these things and automate on an ongoing basis, you have to compensate them for it. Because if you're not paying them for it, then you're, the agency is just going to go look for revenue elsewhere. And we know that's going to cause other issues as well from non-transparent ways that they're getting revenue to help offset this. But I don't like the FTE part of it. I think um, there's just too many ambiguous questions that come from it. So, so at what point, if you were to propose a digital FTE for your next year's negotiation, at what point of automation are you starting from? I mean, the work a media planner does now versus what I did 20 years ago is totally different because of automation and, and a number of other things. But do you start two years ago and do you keep adding as every time time is saved through automation, do you keep adding on more and more digital FTEs um, when essentially the time is being saved? Like it, like to me, I, I just think there's too many questions around it. But I know, Perry Ann, you, you liked this idea. I'm a big fan of Jay and the Forrester research in general. And, um, you know, used to have a full-time job, you know, dealing with them. And, you know, if I was to write a headline of his thing, it would have been like 2006 called, they want their, their fee structure model back. And that what he's trying to do is be provocative and say, look, the human plus AI model is here, but payment models are not reflecting it. Mm -hmm. And that's like his thesis. And then it's like, okay, um, there's a brain drain. There's a need for a new model. I'm looking at some notes here. The future of work is driven by AI. He said, I don't know where he got this from. I have to do some digging. 45% of fees, of agency fees, are labor-based. I thought it would have been higher. Mm -hmm. uh, like if you had said, what do you think it is? I would have said, you know, in the plus 60, uh, near 70%. So that... That was a little surprising, you know, this whole thing was the future of work, the future of ideas is AI paired with humans. Okay. So then it's what your point is, well, how do you get that started? Where does that go? Um, my experience would be, say you're a big marketer and a big, you know, a big client, you want, and you agree that this has to go there. You know, instead of writing, you know, a new MSA, a new deal, you know, 
you know, scope of work uh, and incentive plan with your agency for everything you do, you mm-hmm. know, I think about it for, you know, maybe one business unit or maybe one brand and really understand, you know, what um, what changes need to be made, um, what trust issues do you have to have? I think that, you know, how much trust really comes into that kind of model, you know, really has to be seen. Look, it's almost easy to count FTEs, right? You know who your people are on the business. You see mm-hmm. an org chart if you're a client. The, but when it's hiding behind a piece of technology, it's really tougher to do. So it is asking the client to have a great deal of trust about exactly, well, how much should I be paying for that mm-hmm. versus other clients? Are all clients sharing in that cost? Um, I think he's got something here. I think it's going to be a while until it gets, you know, fully embraced. I can't imagine that it would be like two or three years from now that we're going to see it ease. Um, yeah, I, and the questions so that were coming from the audience did yeah. not sound like people were running to embrace this. There was a <laughs> lot about, y'all, I'm already paying for tools and things like that. So, yeah. So, you know, it's interesting from a consulting point of view, because that's our point of view, when I when I listened to it, that session, what really popped out to me was what Jay said about the whole the whole point of getting more things automated is it frees up people, the humans. It's not trying to get rid of humans. Right. It frees them up to do more high value work. Yep. And that just made me think, again, from a consulting point of view, what I would want marketers to do is really do a like a deep dive into what are their agencies are doing that are high value, medium value, low value, no value, and get rid of the things that are known low value. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's 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 kind of like a bigger picture thing I saw from that that I just thought I'd add. Yeah, and I agree. I, I, and I think Perry and you and I are aligned on, you know, what his premise is. I just I, I think the FTE part of it, I think if you're saying 2006 wants its model back, I think adding another layer of FTEs doesn't do anything to help that, um, in my opinion. But I, I you know, I, I do think that clients and agencies need to be able to have some sort of conversation about what the cost of this is. And, uh, and I know marketers are not willing to really pay for it. And that's where the problem comes. But but again, if you really want this type of technology and automation, the agencies can't can't deliver on that without being compensated for that or having a team that is developing that and refining the process. And so there's just got to be a, an open conversation about how to pay for it. But I, I don't know, love FTE. It's one of the questions that we should probably ask George Romanis mm-hmm. from Right Spent. I think he a- attended virtually. I think he, he did. did, right? Yep. Um, or he posted something on LinkedIn about it. it. Might be interesting to actually draw him into this. And good thing see we what... have a, a podcast coming up with him, so we'll make sure to ask him. Yeah. But it is, it, you know, you this discussion made me remember something that every time I manage a pitch, I say to clients, "You get what you pay for," which mm-hmm. means if you're not willing to pay for, you're not going to get what you what you want. So right. if it, it really boils down to that. Yeah, agreed. It it was definitely a very thought provoking one. But, um, you know, one of the other sessions, Perry Ann, that um, 
you know, we had been chatting about was Dorothy Dowling. She's um, from Best Western and Best Western travel category, lots of data. She talked a lot about attribution and how they've been been, you know, handling and refining that. Um, so what were some of your thoughts from that one? First of all, wasn't she a great presenter? I mean, she really, absolutely. She really had command of her subject and she really came across as being somebody who is effectively working across her organization with her peers. Um, She had command of that subject matter, but really was very open to ideas from all of her stakeholders. Um, I thought she was a really cool person. Um, You know, she talked a lot about transparency um, and sharing information. And it, it, it basically, she said, look, my agency has a dashboard of data. That data is mine. It's not like that data is coming from somewhere else. You know who I thought about when I heard her say that was, well, we used to we used to have Amazon as a client and they wouldn't give any information away. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like you were always like giving them a report that was only what you were seeing mm-hmm. and, you know, not anything that they were sharing because, you know, just wasn't like a data sharing culture. I think she's getting a lot out of that. Um, she talked about change management um, and she talked about attribution and pretty much my headline coming off of her talk was attribution is imperfect, but, and then she's, well, it's how we're going to make decisions. Um, she's just because it's imperfect doesn't mean you don't do it. And she looked for constant refinements. And I thought that, you know, she had a very solid view of, you know, the kind of what we used to call the false Darwinism of last click attribution. Mm -hmm. And, you know, is it about search? Is it about word of mouth? And, you know, pandemic um, issues have really changed how her, you know, hotel visitors, you know, can make a selection about where to stay. And then just to wrap wrap up, I thought it was really cool what she said at the end about the domestic travel industry. Mm -hmm. Um, She said, it's definitely coming back, right? She said that. And even though, this is a quote I wrote down, we managed through the pandemic, we need to rebuild consumer loyalty. So I got the feeling that she wasn't just expecting, you know, all her hotel guests to immediately come back, is that she's got to essentially re-win their loyalty, re-win. They have lots of choices about where to stay and where to go. Um, very, very cool person. I'd love to meet her someday. Yeah, she was great. And what I what I found interesting, especially about the attribution is, you know, we are used to talking to clients about some of our, um, you know, uh, partners we've worked with and stuff like that about attribution models and not necessarily that we got into, but but just how much refinement is necessary for them. There's not a, an attribution model, right? There needs to be a lot of refinement and learning and change that goes into them to make sure that you're really um, using it effectively. Yeah, she she had a um, a very honest approach to what it could do and what it wasn't made to do. And anybody who is looking for um, those types of analytics to have a perfect answer is gonna be really disappointed. Yeah. Um, and then moving on, um, the gentleman from Warner Media, Sebastian Sleck. The first thing I really was like wowed over was the 
enormous spectrum and diversity of Warner Media. I mean, all over the place. It was almost like his company is probably marketing to every demographic audience group, you know, on the planet. And he's got all of these very disparate, uh, you know, parts of that organization that take a lot of uh, ownership over decisions. So he had to put a procurement process in place of some sort, right? And um, I think it was like, you know, making sure that agencies were, you know, essentially on that list or preferred suppliers. And that this procurement platform, I don't know if you called it a platform, really led to better partnerships and a better ease of working for um, those lines of business. Carly, what'd you think of that presentation? He seemed like a pretty cool guy too. I thought it was interesting. You know, I definitely felt connected to a lot of the brands because I'm a big TV movie person. Um, but no disrespect to Sebastian, it, it wasn't new content. They had already presented it last year. So I'm not going to do what I did before and give a recap. Although I do want to share um, a quote from Sebastian that really was you know, again, like you said, partnerships are so important to us. So this hit home, which is investing in your agency partnership is the most effective way to drive long-term ROI. I liked that because um, we've been saying this for a long time, how important partnerships and are and that it's, you know, teamwork to, to get success done. Um, and yes, I do agree it this it's a platform. It really was from the whole conversation is was from more of a sourcing procurement point of view and and more about how um, getting a handle on your agencies can be a foundation to agency management. But I'm gonna take the opportunity to answer your question to me from more of a media plus advisors point of view. And and that's about how to maintain strong partnerships. And I I had fun kind of preparing for this and, and writing some notes because it just comes out so naturally because this is what we're talking to clients about every day. Um, you know, from the perspective of this conference and everything we just talked about, everything, so you gotta get your contracts right, of course. But let's put that aside for a second. And really, if I, I'm gonna, read my list to you that I think the number one thing to maintaining strong partnerships are to communicate and align on expectations. Then you need to scope and staff accordingly. Trust and transparency has to be a part of all of this. You have to measure success on shared goals and not just the things that have been measured or are easy to measure. You need to monitor and govern expectations, ways of working, and those success metrics we just talked about. And then planning for now and future needs. This is how you maintain strong partnerships. Anything either of you would add to that list? I like that list. I like that list. I think it's a great list. I think you cover like the important things really. Um, Ariane, you look like you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was just thinking about the pandemic, right? And how, you know, the agency leadership that we talked to, you know, on podcasts this past year and, you know, thinking about marketers is that what everyone talked about was how quickly everybody really 
jumped on the pivot, right? And what we would hope for too is that that can occur because you have a good partnership. Mm-hmm. Is that if you don't have a good partnership, boy, you head into you know a problem like 2020 presented, boy, you are not well prepared. And I think the one thing that we everyone in the industry can kind of agree on is that um, you know 2020 and you know 2021 thus far has thrown some very very rough curveballs at our country and consumers and all kinds of things. And if there was ever a time to get your partnerships with your agencies rock solid, based on trust, great incentive plans, and as Carly likes to say, like shared goals, right? Do it. This is the time because, um, you know, change is coming again, probably in some way we don't know about. Absolutely. Okay. So there was so much great content and we can't get into everything, but what are some other highlights or overall takeaways? Susan, you want to share any? Yeah, yeah, I, you know, and I put together a list of what I think are kind of my five takeaways. And I was just kind of chuckling while Perry Ann was talking there because I think I'm probably going to echo some of what she said. Um, but feel free to disagree or add to it. But, um, you know, one, think of your agency relationships as partners. Try to move away from thinking about them as suppliers or vendors. Um, they really should be viewed, you know, you're trying to have them work as an extension of your marketing department. So you really want to have that partnership with the agency. And, and we saw that come through in a number of different sessions, that that message about partnership. Two, to echo what Perry Ann was just saying, change has been happening fast. It's still happening fast and it's going to keep coming. So while I think having that trust with your agency that Perry Ann was talking about is important, I also think you need to make sure that your organization and processes are designed for change because um, you need to be able to figure out how to deal with those things, whether it's new media types in your contracts, um, an agency change, anything, your organization needs to be prepared for those things. And kind of leading into that is, you know, we've heard it and it came out of the media conference a couple of weeks ago as well. Media Palooza 2.0 is coming Um, and it's probably going to have a broader reach than just media agencies. It's probably going to be creative in other marketing agencies as well, where a lot of this change is coming. So really, really, before you jump into that, know what you want from your agency partnerships because you don't want to jump into making that change because a lot of change is happening and without really knowing what what you're trying to get out of that. And then kind of coming out of that, um, one of the things I'm going to keep an eye on is just what the, how the agency landscape evolves. I think, you know, we heard things like there's an oversupply of agencies. Agencies are lacking significant growth. There's talent issues. Media Palooza is coming. So I think over the next two years, keeping an eye on what the agency landscape looks like is going to be key for marketers to understand all of those changes. And then this final thing, not a new idea by any stretch of the imagination, but a couple of people um, did call it out specifically Procurement and marketing really need to have a strong partnership in order to really maximize their external relationships. You know, they really need to be aligned in their thinking. They both need to be involved in the decision making. It, you know, it shouldn't be that old procurement cost only marketing, not necessarily caring about cost. You know, they re- they really have to be aligned in what they're looking for with their external partnerships. So I don't know if you guys had anything to add to that list or think yeah, I'm thought- way off base. I thought that was really good. I, I I thought, you know, I was like 
talk about, you know, the four C's where clients want choice. Mm-hmm. And if you're a client that nobody wants to work with because you're, you know, um, you know, not managing your agencies well, not managing yourself well, wasn't it interesting that Bill Duggan brought up several times that most problems between agencies and clients are really on the client side. I think yep. he said that a lot. So if you want to have a lot of choice, you have to be a really good client. I thought that, um, you know, the Carrie Bruce and Stacey Marcus uh, talk about compliance issues was extremely critical. Um, you know, then next, like taking control over um, over the process, over the procurement process internally, you know, like uh, the gentleman from Warner Media was talking about, I thought was excellent. And then there's creativity. Um, Bill Alfonso, I think his name was, from Johannes Len- Leonardo. Mm-hmm. Um, he was um, at an agency, right? And I wrote down a quote from him um, that where he said, create a creative environment. And I thought that was great. I mean, he kind of like said it all with that. Yeah, that's great. So it was definitely a, a great conference. I'm glad to see things are starting up in person again. We're looking forward to getting to some things in person in the fall. So yeah, I thought it was really good, well good run. Good to start to see pre- people in person from the industry again. It was it was well done, um, you know, from like being a participant, like, you know, watching it on your laptop. I thought it worked out really well. This yeah. podcast has been really fun. This is like the start of our season two. And um, we're going to be ramping up and having um, some new topics and some new de- guests coming up. So um, you know where to find us, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can visit us on uh, the web at mediaplusadvisors.com. Signing off, this is Perry Ann for Susan and Carly too. Bye-bye.